the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Thank you, John David. How are we doing this morning, church? I'm a little sore. Had the, had the privilege yesterday to take my uh, brother-in-law outboarding for the first time, his first time, not mine. And I had a great day until I took an elbow in the rib. Um, it was my own elbow. So I'm a little sore. Yes. As we enter a, uh, another week of January, we are in another week where we'll seek to reclaim a biblical world from the commonplace use that it finds in, in the world. This calendar year in our preaching, we're emphasizing different elements of Christian identity as God's set apart, that we are God's set apart. God's people have long been called to differentiate themselves from the world by looking like our God, by doing the things that God would do and in turn not looking like the world. Over time, what happens though is the world influences the way that God's people live, and God's people begin to conform to the world, and the world might even try to accommodate some of the words and uh, things, uh, some of the good things of God as their own. And as time goes on, words that used to mean one thing take on a new cultural meaning altogether. And if we're God's people, we really need to be intentional about the words that we use to describe our relationship with God, the words that we use to describe our relationship with the world, our relationship with our brothers and sisters. What we're called to be is not how the world is choosing to live. And if we cannot tell the difference and what we are called to live and how the world is living, then why should we expect the world be able, why should we expect the world to be able to tell the difference in our lives if, if we don't know the difference either? Last week, we began this endeavor to reclaim biblical, uh, biblical words by considering the word justice. The world, not only in our culture today, but humanity throughout history has sought to understand justice, has sought to do the right but the justice alternatives that have been that have been proposed over time and especially in our world today are not the same thing as godly justice christians need to care about justice god invites his people to seek justice in their communities but not in the way that our world might care about justice but this week we'll continue this word journey to reclaim another word that is very biblical, very, has uh, uh, very deep godly implications, but has maybe become one of the most commonplace words in our world, and that's love. Christians are called to demonstrate God's love in our communities, to demonstrate God's love in our households and our relationships, but how do we differentiate between love that comes from God, love that's found in Scripture? How do we differentiate that from love that the world has? How do we move 
forward when the Bible says one thing and the world says something differently? And most importantly, what do we do when the world's alternative, the love that the world has said it has, doesn't sound that bad? I invite you to turn with me again this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll also be in 1 John chapter 4, as was read earlier, where hopefully you will continue to reclaim You will continue to renew. You will continue to refresh your identity, my identity, as being God's people, God's set apart. When I'm going to preach about love, I'm preparing thoughts on love, and I'm studying love, it's a very challenging subject because what what can be said about love that we probably haven't heard. And I don't know if I'm going to give you something new to think about. My prayer this morning is that we're challenged to see how God's love is different and the love that we find in the world and the love that sometimes we are willing to settle for. I stated that love is one of the more commonplace words in our society. I, I think if you've engaged or interacted with any type of media in our society, you've uh, seen uh, uh, TV shows and books and movies and music, you see that love is in the air. Every show has a love interest. Every other song is a love song, or maybe it's a loss of love song. Every show is driven by these relationships. Every book or story has external or maybe even internal themes of love, the star-crossed lovers or the deep admiration for someone or something. And if our world is talking so much about love, how come there doesn't seem to be much love in our world today? Love is everywhere in the media, but at the same time, if you look online or you watch the news, there there does not seem to be a lot of love for our fellow man. Maybe you even have a hard time loving others, especially those who you would disagree with. If love is in the air, why is it so hard to find? The problem is not that there aren't enough love songs. I'm sure there could be more. Maybe you could write one one day. The problem is not that there aren't enough romance novels. The problem is that the love that our world is pursuing is not godly love. It's something else. There's a difference. But the more that Christians consume, the more that Christians are willing to settle for the love that the world has to offer, the less we'll be able to verbalize what makes the love that we get from God any different, the love that we find in Christ, as we talked about in our communion thoughts this morning. What does the Bible say about love? What does the Bible say concerning the love that the world has? Let's begin in 2 Timothy as we find out. Last week we we found uh, godly justice among the pots in 2 Timothy 2. Let's see uh, see where we find love. This is what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We're going to talk about love this morning, but I want to differentiate two different types of love for us that I'll be using this morning uh, to help us think about this. Um, I'm not 
thinking about the Greek words of, of that you might be uh, familiar with. Oh, this morning, when I use the word love, when I say love, what I'm talking about, what I'm referring to is the selfless, God-given commitment to others. Love is a selfish, God, selfless, God-given commitment to others because love comes from God. The other word I'm going to use to describe love is found here in, in this verse. Love comes from God, but passion comes from the world. When I use that word passion, what I'm referring to is an emotion-driven response to others. Passion is an emotion-driven response to others or other things. Now, passion is not necessarily a bad thing. There can be passion found in godly love. Hopefully, we have great passion for our Lord. But the, for the purposes of us, us talking about love this morning, I'm going to be using these two different words separately. Love from God and passion from the world. Paul instructs Timothy to flee youthful passions and pursue, among other things, and pursue love. Hopefully, we can paint a detailed picture of what kind of love Paul is talking about here, but we also need to understand what Paul means by youthly pa- uh, youthful passions. What are, we, what are we running away from? Love is not youthful passion. Love is not youthful passion. Love is something completely different. In other places, when, uh, when Paul is writing to Timothy, encouraging him to flee youthful passion in several different places because... Timothy was younger. Uh, he's encouraging, encouraging him to pursue godly living. He's not just talking about youthful lusts, which is the word or uh, the phrase that your Bible might have, which is a common translation. He's not just talking about youthful lusts. He's describing this whole host of immature desires that come out of the heart. Passion is the controlling, consuming focus on something. And Paul says it should be fled. Paul also says to Timothy that the love of money should be fled in the same vein as youthful passion. He says that the lusts of sensual living, the pride of self, should be fled in uh, first Timothy. He describes someone who pursues youthful passion as someone who has a depraved mind, as someone who is deprived of the truth because passion can consume you. That's what Paul is trying to warn his brother. And when we see this language, youthful passion, I hope we're not just imagining sins of lust or maybe sins of infidelity, which Paul certainly has in view, but there's a much broader view of false love that Paul has when he's talking about passion, one that's selfish and immature and self-seeking. These youthful passions that Paul is describing depict very well some of the many ways that our world envisions what love is, which I hope we'll see this morning. As our world seeks to define love, seeks to find love, what the world might come up with might, might look like love, it, and it might smell like love, but is it really godly love? You can see some glimpses of the world's definition of love and some of the cultural movements that we have in our world right now. You, you uh, see that love and uh, 
of is something that you can't control. Uh, I'll say that I cannot be my true self unless I can love the person that I want to. I would ask, though, is that really love? Or is that this youthful passion that we're talking about? Love and passion, there's a difference. But passion is not just about lust. Passion is not just about emotional love or even romantic love. Youthful passion is the type of love that seeks self first. I need to follow my heart. The heart wants what, what the heart wants. You might see someone pursuing something that they're passionate about. Maybe it's a job or it's a hobby. But when passion consumes, when that career maybe becomes an object of love, what love has been forfeited because we chose to follow our passion? That's not to say that we cannot be passionate about our uh, things in our life. We cannot have a job that we, that we care about. We can't have hobbies and be faithful Christians. But Christians need to be able to recognize the difference between love that comes from the world and love that comes from God. And if we can't recognize the difference, just like the sensualities and the passions of this world, we will give up the glory of God and be consumed with the glory of ourself. That is the road that passion leads people down. That's why Paul's inviting Timothy to flee, flee youthful passion. But the question still is, how do we tell the difference? How do we tell the difference between godly love and worldly passion? I think we see some of this in Galatians chapter 5. Although it's not specifically about love, I think the truths are the same. You might know that Galatians 5 is the chapter on the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. But before Paul lists these fruits, these things that come from being in step with the Spirit, he says something else about the obedience of God and about following this world. Galatians 5, the first thing he says in verse 14 is he summarizes the law as being fulfilled in love for your neighbor. We hear this from Jesus too, summing up the law in part as loving your neighbor as, as yourself, but Paul adds something interesting in Galatians chapter 5 verse 15, after he summarizes obedience, obedience to God and the law as love for your neighbor, he says, if you do not love your neighbor, you, you will bite each other. You will devour one another, and you will consume one another. That's the same kind of language that Paul uses to describe worldly passion as consuming, right? Because if there is not godly love, if you do not know who God is, if you do not know what godly love is, you will be consumed by passion, and you will turn against other people, and you might be led to consume another if it gets you ahead. It's not, is that not the type of behavior that we see in our world sometimes? All wrapped up in having to, having to win the argument, uh, punishing other people for, for how they think and how they act. 
The irony is that the world does these things. The world eats each other, to use Paul's language. It does that in the name of love. It does that in the name of acceptance or inclusion or, or whatever they want to call it. But that's not love, is it? That's passion. That's the desires of the flesh, and there's a difference between love and passion. The desires of the flesh are not love. The desires of the flesh are actually against the desires of the Spirit. That's what we read also in Galatians 5. In the next section in Galatians 5, even before Paul lists the fruits of the Spirit, he lists the fruits of the flesh. He lists, he lists the, all of the fruits of following passionate living. How the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, and jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries and dissensions and, and divisions, envy and drunkenness, orgies and things like these. These are the, this is a list of sinful behaviors, but they are products of passionate living. They're products of being consumed by passion, of being consumed by self. And that doesn't sound like love. Envy, jealousy, divisions. That's not love. And as long as humans are devoid of godly love, until we find love that comes from God, we will always trend towards our passions. What I hope we're seeing together this morning is that love is a very serious issue for the church. And we need to understand how to differentiate between worldly love and godly love. Because if we misunderstand love, what we'll find is isolation. If we misunderstand love, we'll find isolation. Worldly love leads to social isolation. When you stop getting what you want, you might shut someone off and cut them off in the name of self. That's not godly love. It's youthful passion, and it leads to isolation. Worldly love can also lead to spiritual isolation, separation from our Creator, ignorance to what God is trying to do for you in your life, ignorance to what God is trying to do for others through you. And if we settle for what the world is offering when it comes to love, we will not foster godly love. We will not give others love that comes from God. And if we aren't getting it from God, we won't be able to find it ourselves. We saw this last week with justice, too. And if we desire to be in God's presence, but we don't have love, we won't seek God's presence, because we'll be consumed with worldly, worldly passions. And that's really scary in our world right now, that there are so many people who are consumed with worldly passion. That it seems like there's so many people who don't care about God's love, and they're settling for love alternatives. But the fact that they're searching for love, the fact that they're trying to create something called love, the fact that they're trying to pursue these close-to-godly things is a good thing, even if even if they are falling short. 
because it is put within us by the image of God to care about love. And even if they don't realize it yet, they're exercising that image by trying to find love in this world. And Christians need to be able to show them what's right. What kind of love we're pursuing matters. What kind of love we're, we're willing to listen to matters. Love is a serious issue. First John has a great passage that describes the risks of listening to the world. This comes right before our scripture reading earlier this morning in First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. When we have these two types of love, we have love and we have worldly passion. We're trying to tell the difference. We're trying to see which one is really from God. If it's pointing people to Christ, then it's godly love. And if it's not, then it's not. Just because something sounds biblical and looks biblical doesn't mean it is biblical. You might have heard some of the emotional uh, some of the emotional appeals in advertisement, advertisements that are going around right now, some that are trying to invoke the name of Jesus. You might see a group saying something like, Jesus would have hung out in the bars and the clubs because that's where the, that's where the sinners were. So it's okay if that's where, that's where we find ourselves hanging out. Well, there might be a little bit of truth in that, that Jesus might have cared for those people. I'm sure he would have. I do the lifestyles and the behaviors of those groups point people to Jesus. And if the spirits are not confessing that Jesus is the Christ, then they're not from God. Even Jesus said, some of you will say, Lord, Lord, and I will say to you, I do not owe you. Just because people are claiming that they're living like Jesus, and they're loving people like Jesus, if they don't look like Jesus, that's how we tell the difference. That's why it's so important for God's people, for Christians, for the church, to test the spirits, to be intentional about the words that we use, to be intentional with how we use our word, love, and how we show that to other people. So if that's what worldly passion is, if understanding Godly passion is a serious issue. What is godly love? We read this earlier in 1 John 4, immediately after this reading. But I think we could summarize godly love like this. If we know God, then we know that God's love abides. That God's love abides. Abides. God's love is not conditional. God's love is not temporary. It's not fleeting. It's not sporadic. God's love is not impulsive. God's love abides if we know God. It won't be on the screen, but I, I want to read our scripture reading one more time from 1 John 4. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever has been born of God knows God, and whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to, the, to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God has loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God's love abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. When we're thinking about love, and we're trying to differentiate between worldly passion and godly love, I gravitate towards the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh. We talked about the fruits of the flesh as being outcomes of of worldly passion. We talked about the roots of the of uh, of the uh, flesh being something that leads leads to hatred. It, le- it leads to envy and division. But the outcome of godly love, the fruits of the spirit, are this: from Galatians five, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and its desire. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, in Galatians 5.24, have crucified the flesh and its passion and its desire. Worldly passion is not godly love. And Christians need to be able to know how to tell the difference. And Christians need to be able to know how to give the world what they're missing. If you are not a Christian and you have not crucified your flesh, you have not crucified your, your passions and your desires, you need to know the immense love that your Creator has for you. And until you know that love, You cannot owe God, and you cannot be the person that you were created to be. Because of the sin that exists in this world and the sin that exists in your hearts, and we follow our passion. If If you wish to be baptized, we would love, 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 love to introduce you to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For you to be baptized and have your sins washed away and feel the presence of God's abiding love. If you need to do that, we would love to help with that. If you are a Christian, and you have been baptized, and you have experienced God's love, but over time, the world's language seeps into our language, and the things that we are willing to settle for, our line of what we're willing to accept has shifted, and maybe it's influenced the way that you live. And maybe it's influenced the way that you treat others. And maybe it's made it hard for you to love others. That's sin. And that is passion. And if you have sin in your life that you need to ask forgiveness for, we would love, as your brothers and sisters in Christ, to pray with you for that. So that you could, once again, 
give God's love that you have received to the people in your life. If you have any need, whether it's in person or on Facebook, I hope, I hope, I hope that you will make it known to one of your brothers and sisters. As much as the world claims it does not have love if it does not know God, and we need to be able to see what they're doing, to see the passion that the world has to offer and know, trust and know that no matter what happens, God's love is better than the passion that the world has. The church cannot forget that. And we are entering a time where it might be easy to forget something as simple as love. If you have any need this morning, won't you make it known right now as we stand and we sing. Nearer, my God.